great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Matt Perino coming to you from inside Gillette Stadium, the site of a shocking result today in the AFC East. The Bills fall 29-25 to the previously 1-5 New England Patriots, who improved to 2-5. The first game-winning drive for Mac Jones since his rookie season in 2021. I mean, I thought the Bills could be in for a, a, a tougher game than a lot of people were expecting. But I didn't even expect expect this. I, no Josh Uche, no Keon White, no Matthew Judon, and the Buffalo Bills offensive line at times crumbled in this game. Uh, Christian Barmore was a game wrecker uh, in a game where the Bills were without Ed Oliver. I thought that Barmore raised his level of play to probably the highest it's been all season. The Bills lose. They're sitting here at four and three, and Ryan and I are here to kind of put this all into perspective and what it means. And Ryan, you, you tweeted out something from Josh Allen's press conference, uh, and that's the title of this episode because uh, uh, he was actually asked a, a pretty pointed question. Yeah, he was asked, you know, is this, you know, where you guys are at right now, thoughts on the year? He said the season's not over. I know it looks bleak right now. Uh, and he kind of went out there and, it was, listen, it was the shortest presser I've ever seen Josh Allen have post game. Uh, I think it was, might, may have been under three minutes long based on uh, what was shown here after the game was over. So I kind of went to show you that uh, he answered the questions that were there for him, but he was not looking to hang around whatsoever. But this, it was a frustrating game. I mean, if you're a Bills fan watching that, despite a lot of injuries to this Bills team, the talent level is not the same between the two of them. New England was missing some key players as well, like you just mentioned. And yet it came down once again to sleepwalking early on in this game, Matt. The offensive line arguably having their worst game of the season. Uh, I thought Osiris Torrance really had his first welcome to the NFL, you know, big time uh, struggle type of a game. And uh, once again, there were some costly drops and costly penalties that really uh, halted this Bills team on Sunday. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the final stat line and it, and it looks a lot better than it did you know, midway through the third quarter, Josh Allen finishes 27 of 41, 265, two touchdowns and that interception, which, you know, Bill Belichick was asked about it after the game. And he said, that's something that he actually saw on tape that the Patriots or that the bills hit the Patriots with last season, something they worked on in practice all week long. And, and they went in there and Jabrell Peppers made a huge play. And to me, that was like the punch, the the big overhand right early in a fight where you got to come back and you got to find something on the next couple of drives. And the Bills just couldn't find it. And, you know, the, the more and more I think about it and, and somebody made a a, a, a text a tweet at us a, a couple weeks ago, put a couple of uh, us in the media in, in a tweet uh, asking about not talking about more about Josh Allen not running enough this year. And I'm starting to wonder Listen, I don't think it's a surprise that this has been the approach that the Bills have taken. And that was kind of my response to the tweet, which was kind of nasty. And, and that's neither here nor there, whatever. It's a good point. It's one that I think we got to start talking more about because 
there was one break glass in case of emergency play late in this game when they needed to have it where Ken Dorsey dialed up a design quarterback run for Josh Allen. And it wasn't anything spectacular, but it feels like defenses have reached a point of this season and they're sitting back saying, okay, we got to deal with the Bills running game with James Cook and Latavius Murray, and we got to deal with the passer, Josh Allen. And the one factor that's kind of removed from all of this is Josh Allen, the runner, and it does even like seven carries for, uh, I can't remember the, the yardage he had, the, obviously the tush-push touch, touchdown uh, late in the game. But teams are not having to deal with the same feared runner that Josh Allen has been over the last couple of years of his career. No, he finished with 17 yards rushing today, and uh, it's just one of those things where some days when the passing game wasn't going in, in past years, he'd be running for 60, 80-plus yards in a game and really add that uh, extra layer to this offense. And you're right, we're not seeing that this year. We're seeing a Bills team that is trying to depend solely on his arm and then a run game with with Cook and Murray. And listen, Cook had his best game, uh, arguably, of his career. We saw a lot from Dolan Kincaid. There's some good things in this passing game. But with taking Josh Allen and his running out of this is, is really kind of tying this Bills offense's hands up, in my opinion. It's just one of those things where, you know, you mentioned the first play of the game, he throws an interception, bad interception. He needs to see Peppers falling off on that play. Bills, though, they responded with a 13-play drive. Uh, they had a touchdown taken off the board on an offensive pass interference call that was questionable at best. But then they have to settle for a field goal. They go three and out the next time, then it's a 12-play drive that ends in a Tyler Bass missed field goal. They put together some long drives in that first half. It just came down to the execution at the end, where once again, they you know they were backing themselves up at times with penalties. They had some really costly drops in this game. Uh, there are mistakes that right now this team cannot be making with how severely depleted they are on the, off or the defensive side of the ball, excuse me. Yeah, and I thought like one group that kind of, I don't want to say no-showed, but didn't have the kind of impact on this game that they've been having in recent weeks, that's the Bills' defensive line. Mm -hmm. You know, there's probably a Von Miller conversation that we have to have here uh, eventually. But I want to get to the overarching conversation really quickly about what does this mean? Where, does the, where do the Bills sit now after seven games at four and three? Like how dire is this situation where is the panic meter i know a lot of fans are hitting the panic meter i'm seeing stuff on social media that is well uh you know going through all of the different uh outcomes from a game like this you know fire ken dorsey fire sean mcdermott uh this team's not going to make the playoffs and listen i i do think that this is a real wake-up call to the fact that, number one, they're down two of their best players on their team in Daquan Jones and Matt Milano for not only the foreseeable future, but likely the season. They're not coming back. What's happened now defensively is they're without any depth. The depth on this team on defense, when they were, when those two guys were healthy, Tredavious White was healthy, it was insane. I mean, we were talking about a cornerback group that had the luxury of making a first-round draft pick in 2021 inactive for the first couple weeks of the season. Now you're in a situation where defensively they had to tap into some of that depth today and without Ed Oliver, Ryan, that defensive line looked completely different. If you want to, if you want to sit here after this game and talk about one of the most glaring truths that faced this team, Brandon Bean nailed it with that contract extension for Ed Oliver because I don't know where they'd be right now looking ahead without Ed Oliver, knowing that Daquan Jones went down, knowing that, um, you know, even Jordan Phillips getting banged up in this game, 
The Bills are really banged up on their defensive line. I don't think Leonard Floyd even looks 100%. A.J. Epinesa struggled against Trent Brown today, which is not a surprise. Michael Onwenu flipped out to right tackle, and he had his probably his best game of the season. Just not enough production from what has to be the Bills' strength on their defense. Yeah, and no push from the defensive line at all today. Uh, we, we talked about Von Miller kind of being invisible out there, and Sean McDermott said you kind of have to be realistic with it. He's coming back from an ACL injury, but you know I saw you put out uh, mid-game a tweet about that. If, if he's really struggling at this point, you got to give Kingsley Jonathan more run. You got to have your best guys out there. Then maybe in Greg Rousseau and and Leonard Floyd and Epinesa. If it's not going to be Von Miller, uh, you, you want to mix it up a little. Yes, you want Von to get those reps because he needs those reps, but. Uh, in a crucial time today, he wasn't on the field, and that kind of tells the whole story there. The middle of this defensive line, it was disappointing. I think we, we both said it could have happened this way. They're going to test the run game. Early on, they were getting success up the middle on this Bills defensive line. Uh, not much push from Jordan Phillips, Puna Ford, Tim Settle and company. Uh, and, and again, this is a Puna Ford free agent signing that they targeted this year. Tim Settle was a free agent signing a few years ago that they targeted to bolster this D-line. It hasn't been enough, and Ed Oliver has been a, a big difference maker for them, and him not being in the middle of that defense was very noticeable today. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, like Dalton Kincaid, we talked a little bit about him at, at the top, and I think you know that's the kind of the one bright spot of this game is that Ken Dorsey finally and Josh Allen made it a priority to get Kincaid involved. And you could see a little bit of what he can do after the catch and the way that he can help sustain drives. It's, it's really interesting, Ryan, like this is such a weird game to look at. I mentioned that when you look at the quarterbacks who finished pretty much the same, except for that interception, uh, look at the possessions for the, for the bills. They had eight meaningful possessions in this game and I'll go from back to front touchdown, touchdown, turnover on downs. We'll talk about that touchdown. So, of four second-half possessions that matter, the fumble was at the end when just the game was over, a couple seconds left. They literally had were almost perfect outside of a Dawson Knox drop that ended that touchdown, that what could have been a touchdown drive. It was, go, it was going on 13 plays uh, tied for their longest drive of the game. If Dawson Knox finds a way to bring that down, and listen, this is a, this is a, a, a refrain that we keep going back to with Dawson Knox. It's the the drop issue. That's a big-time play in a spot in a game where the guy that they drafted in the first round this year was targeted eight times and caught all eight passes, and you have Dawson Knox, who was targeted three times, only manages one catch. It's not good enough. It's not good enough there. Gabe Davis, not good enough there. I don't know what's going on with him. We didn't get a chance to talk to him in the post-game locker room. Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, made one of the, the most spectacular plays of the season with the way that he uh, bounced back up after he caught that that ball and, and kind of scooted into the, the end zone for a touchdown, found a, found a way to make a play. But Dawson Knox has to be better. Gabe Davis has to be better. Yeah, at some point you have to pull Dawson Knox off the field maybe and give those reps to Kincaid. Uh, depending on the personnel package, obviously, if it's 12 personnel, you'll have both guys out there on the field. But Knox not coming down with that fourth and two play. Allen gave him a very catchable ball, has it in his hands. And I know post game, Knox says he didn't see the defender from behind, got his helmet on the ball. It's still a play you have to make in, in today's NFL. I mean, you, you look at, uh, I think it was the catch right before that. Stefan Diggs gets targeted with, the, with a, a ball he catches and he's hit immediately, holds on to it. There's hard hits throughout this game. You find ways to come up with it. So, you know, the, the Bills paid Dawson Knox a lot of money, and he has not lived up to that contract. He has 
uh, not been good enough. I know he's a solid blocker, but you need a lot more out of him. And, you know, Kincaid himself had the game of his career, eight catches on eight targets, like you said, 75 yards, made some guys miss, made some uh, good plays to add extra yards for this offense, get him more snaps, get him more targets, get him more involved, because he and James Cook were two of the the bigger bright spots for this offense today. You know, I'm not an offensive coordinator in the NFL, but one thing that I think that over the last three weeks that you can surmise, despite the Bills being unwilling to talk about anything that the, the Patriots are, or, or the Jaguars or the Giants have done to take things away from them, is studying what works. And every single game, when they struggle in the first half, when they go up-tempo, for the most part, it feels like they're able to find some answers. And Sean McDermott talks about finding a rhythm. Why not flip the script? Why not come out in games running no huddle, try to put defenses in a bind from the very beginning? And here's another thing, Ryan. I'm so tired of teams deferring to the second half, especially when you're an offense like this, when you're on the road against a beat-up Patriots team. You take the ball, you go down, and you score, and you do what Sean McDermott said after the game they wanted to do. They wanted to put them in a spot where they're down, where they have to pass. What better way to do that than to put your franchise $250 million quarterback on the field, go down and score, go down and be aggressive, go out and be fast, go, come out with a game script. Like, I don't understand why they're making this so complicated on themselves. They go under center to start the game. Is that the play? Is that the place where you want to start going under center and going away from everything that you said you've been has been successful? I just... I think they're making it too complicated, and you have half the team talking about slowing things down. Gabe Davis talking about simplifying the offense this week. It didn't look simpler. It looked like they were confused. It looked like it was harder. Yeah, yeah listen, I mean, I think you nailed it here. I don't need um, no huddle offense. I need up-tempo, though. I, I feel like there were there's at least a handful of games every or plays every single game where the Bills are – at zero or right before zero on the play clock, or they're getting penalized for delay of game. They're having to burn a timeout. Whatever the case is, this Bills team is not playing with that urgency, and it's kind of costing them. So I don't know if it's taking too long to get the plays called in from upstairs, uh, the noise factor, whatever it is, the Bills need to get that figured out because they're putting themselves in bad spots, burning timeouts they shouldn't have to, losing five yards on these delay of game penalties, uh, which is, again, just a penalty that backs them up uh, and is not needed. If if you have this uh, this quarterback that's been in a offense very similar to what Dorsey's calling is what Brian Dable called for so many years, it shouldn't take so much time to get these play calls in. So it doesn't have to be no huddle, in my opinion, but it needs to be much more up-tempo. We're seeing the Bills move the ball. We're seeing defenses kind of get on their heels. I know that the downside of that is if you do go three and out, you're getting your defense out there faster. They're more tired. Uh, but you have to trust that this offense can execute when you're more up-tempo and really uh, kind of confuse these defenses going forward. Um, I know I know, no fans want, like, the bright side right now because this is, like, a very dark day, you know, to come on the road against the Patriots in, like, the depths of despair. I mean, you put out a story on Saturday night. We were talking about it the last couple of days about some of the quote-tweet responses to the Bills, like, seemingly like resting at Oliver. Like I felt like that, like he kind of appeared at practice on Friday and then apparently didn't play in the game and Patriots fans, you know, started conspiracy th theories that, you know, the bills are trying to rest starters. So the Patriots win. So they don't get a franchise quarterback in next year's draft, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's been an entertaining 48 hours, 
But I, I put it out to our insiders that, you know, there were, there were considerable amount of empty seats in the 300s for this game. And to come on the road, listen, I get it. I get the, the idea that every game is hard to win in the, in the NFL. And, you know, any given Sunday and all that stuff. This was the definitive second worst team in the league through six weeks. Minus 80 point differential, one in five. They barely won the game that they won. And this is just a, a game that you can't lose on the road if you're the Bills, if you're a Super Bowl contender, three-time AFC East defending champions. With that said, I do think that the talent is there. I do think that somewhere in all of this is the version of the Bills that we saw in the Miami Dolphins game that we've seen over the past couple of years. I think it comes down to them getting out of their own heads and to Gabe Davis's point, who I thought spoke the most eloquently of anybody on this topic throughout the season, is stop making it so hard on themselves. And I get that they're a very advanced offense and complicated offense, but sometimes it's like, I'm going to line up against you. I know what you do well. You know what I do well, and we're just going to do it better. And I don't see that mojo from this Bills team. I I also asked if... Sean McDermott, if this was an inspired group, is he doing a good enough job getting this team ready to play? And he came back and answered that he did think there was an inspired group until they went out there and had to respond to adversity. I think that that's part of getting them ready to play is getting them ready to handle adversity. They didn't look like they they could handle it today, Ryan. And it was against a piss poor team. Let's be honest. They're a joke of a team. You should hear the way that the Patriots media is talking about this team, Bill Belichick. Like this is a really, really bad loss. So I guess long story short, I'm not going to be able to find the the bright side on this, on this Sunday in Foxborough. You know, you started looking for it and then you just took a turn and uh, it happens sometimes real quick on that article from Saturday night, no conspiracy theory, Pats fans, Mac Jones looked outstanding, sign him to a long-term deal. You guys are a okay. Uh, you know, with the bills though, it's a problem. They, you, you should just go simple here. You, you need to stick with the, the, the plays that, you know, work for you the best, uh, depend on Stefan Diggs. get Dave, Gabe Davis more involved, figure out what's going on there because he had what one reception in this game. Dawson Knox isn't contributing enough in this offense. Uh, you're finally getting Kincaid utilized. This is another game where Deontay Hardy, by the way, had a nice catch and made two guys miss and did something with the ball in his hands. Get him more involved. Find a way to get your playmakers onto this field because it's not happening enough. If that means cutting into Davis's reps, if he's still struggling a little bit to get Hardy a little bit more work, I'm all for it because Hardy now a few plays, uh, a few games in a row now, he's made at least one play where you say, "Oh, you know that's why they signed him. That's why they liked him." Deep ball down the field against Jacksonville last week against. Uh, the Giants, I believe, was the one where he had a few catches that were short of the change. Maybe it was the game before that, and he moved it for them and, and made some nice uh, moves to make guys miss. Same thing again tonight. So if you're not going to uh, utilize your best talent right now, you have to find a way to get them on the field as well. There's a lot of little things that this team can do better, and if they start executing in those areas, uh, I think that the ship can be righted, but they're putting themselves in a tough spot right now at four and three, obviously the, the uh, Dolphins play tonight against the Eagles. Outcome of that game looms large in terms of their chances in division. Uh, but they, you know they've now lost two games in the AFC East, lost another conference game today. It, it's not good. All three of their losses have come in conference. So 
Uh, the, the Bills have a lot of work to do in what's supposed to be the easier, your easiest stretch of their schedule. Uh, it's not going to be an easy week for Bills fans, Ryan, but we want to be there for them. The Shout Buffalo Bills text line is there for you, and you can become an insider by texting 716-528-6727. Get yourself a two-week free trial right now, and then it's $3.99 a month after that. And the Shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, we're going to hand this episode over to the insiders. We we put out a, a call, uh, Ryan did, uh, after the game. What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? What are your questions? Uh, fire us up, Ryan. What do they want us to talk about? Yeah, we'll start with a question from Dan. Do you think the prolific drops at the wrong time from Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis lead to trust issues for Josh Allen, and that is why he's over-targeting Stefan Diggs? Yeah, I mean, uh, you you feel like the way they talk about finding another option, you know, reading between the lines, I mean, that it's got to be a part of it, even if it's a subconscious thing. It doesn't even have to be an active thing. But if you know, like there was a couple balls that he forced to Diggs today. One, he got lucky that the defender was just a little bit late coming across the middle. It was this close to either being tipped or picked, and he fired it in, and Diggs, I think, made the catch. It ended up being a first down. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that there's some some – potential that the shoulder is worse than he's letting on. He, he, he said all last season that the elbow wasn't an issue. That's probably an issue as, as well, but look at where we sit here, Ryan, we're, we're in a game here today against the Patriots where Khalil Shakir was outside of Kincaid. I'll take him out of the mix. Just talking receivers was the number two wide receiver on this team. How does that happen? And, and I think part of that is a lack of trust for Knox who only got three targets and uh, Davis who, how many targets did he end up with? Davis, uh, let me pull it up. Five, five, and he caught one. That's just yeah. not good enough. No, not not good enough at all. And, you know, there were a few plays where I saw Bills fans respond to me. I think it was a throw to Diggs where they said, oh, well, he had uh, Dawson Knox open across the middle of the field on a play, or he missed this guy here. Well, one, quarterbacks are not going to see every player, but maybe it is a lack of trust, and this guy's dropping the balls in, in, in uh, crucial times, important times. And Stefan Diggs has been Mr. Automatic for this team and made big catch after big catch, made a sliding catch today, got up and scored a touchdown, almost uh, reeled in a, a deep ball on that final drive that would have set up the Bills on the 30 with one play to go. Uh, just kind of had that one knocked loose or as he hit the turf there on, on the way down. But you're not getting enough from Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox to necessarily trust them. And I also think it's just getting open off the line, and that's not their strong suit. That's not what they're known for. Whereas, you know, Stefan Diggs wins off the line. He gets open. Uh, Dalton Kincaid was winning off the line today, getting open immediately. Allen was able to get the ball to him in his hands. So there's multiple factors to it. But, yeah, I, I think there is a trust factor uh, at play or lack thereof because some of these guys are not showing up consistently enough for Allen in this offense. I'll let you get to the next question here in a second. But, you know, one of the things I think that we might have to start talking about, too, is like there's some long-term financial commitments that – you know, the Bills are going to have to really think long and hard about it. I mean, you have Tredavious White coming back from an injury. He's he's really pretty much locked in through next season. So you're almost committed to another really long recovery process with him. And with Knox, 
I know that they want this 12 personnel, but you know, the more and more that you look at games like this where their offensive line falters and the lack of blue chip players on that offensive line, how much do they need to take some of this money that's earmarked for some of these other guys and put, and invest it in front of Josh Allen? As he gets older, it's going to get worse, Ryan. Like the, It's going to get to reach a point where, kind of like Ben Roethlisberger, where um, I, I think Josh is more athletic. I think he'll be able to run longer than Ben Ben was in run. And they're different. Like Ben was never a prolific runner the way that Josh is. But over time, he just became a little bit less effective mobility-wise. And that's going to eventually happen with with Allen. So you have to invest in your line. I'm sure they're going to try to do it in the in the draft. I mentioned it several times on this show. I would trade multiple picks to get up to a spot to get a bona fide tackle. I don't care where you end up putting him, and you don't have to worry about Deion Dawkins and Spencer Spencer Brown when you do it. You just go get elite good players in the draft whenever you can and worry about the details after the fact. I'm going to go a different spot on the O-line. I think it's time to start looking for a new center. I love Mitch Morse. I think he's very smart. Uh, I think he's been outstanding for Josh Allen. Uh, but he has never been an O-lineman or a center that wins by mauling guys, that by using his physicality, he wins with his his smarts and his athleticism. And, you know, as he gets a little bit older, you can't lean on that as more or as much as you once did. And I saw him struggle quite a bit at times in this matchup as well. Uh, and looking at some of the talent on these AFC East rosters on the D-line, it won't get any easier uh, for the foreseeable future. So you need to get someone – uh, up the up front there that can can maul a little bit at center that can win up front for you uh, even if it's just uh, drafting a guy early next year and making the heir apparent giving Morse another year whatever it is they need to come up with a plan for that as well I know they have Ryan Bates but Bates is not that physical uh, center type option either there's a lot of things that the Bills can do in terms of addressing this this offense uh, personnel wise I, I do you know one of our questions coming up here is do they have a true number two wide receiver. Uh, it's something that we can get into here in a minute, but you can't depend on Stefan Diggs for, you know, the next three, four years, either wide receivers eventually hit the wall. He's outstanding, but you need to get him a one B to his one a sooner rather than later. And maybe it can be Kincaid. Maybe Kincaid can be one of those top notch, top tier tight ends in this league. Uh, like we see in a Travis Kelsey, and it's not fair to compare anyone to Travis Kelsey. There is no other Travis Kelsey in today's game, but someone that you can count on in that regard. But right now, I have a lot of questions going forward about the personnel on this team. Next up, hit us with the next question. Yeah, there was a question about the uh, the play clock. So I think we already addressed that for PJ. Uh, is it possible that we don't actually have a number two receiver? Gabe looks cooked, five targets, one reception. Love the guy personally, but he always shined bright when the Bills had Sanders or Beasley as a solid number two option. That's from our friend, uh, friend Brad M. So I guess we could take that in a, in a different direction. Do the Bills need to get aggressive at the trade deadline and look for a receiver? Like, I just got a flash on my phone. McCole Hardman, did he have a touchdown in the in the KC game? Is is that what just happened? Welcome um, back. I think I saw that they, they tweeted. You know, and of course, like, the Bills aren't going to be able to add somebody like a McCole Hardman that has a, a familiar with their offense unless they want to go back down the Cole Beasley route. Um, but, like... Listen, I, it's a complicated deal because they're really struggling to find any kind of traction with Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield. I think it's worth a conversation. Um, Andy Isabella, I've seen a couple of people mention him in the chat here. The problem there is like, what's going to be the difference between Andy Isabella and Deontay Hardy? Like, do you think that there's some magical way to get him 
involved and maybe there is, and maybe it's worth a try. I I listen to that. Um, I'm not necessarily in the go get a 34 year old wide receiver and ask him to come in pretty much dry off the street and, and, and ask him to find some kind of magic that has, you know, really disappeared two years ago. The last time we really saw it on a consistent basis. So I don't know. It's a really tough spot to be in because right now I feel like the bills need another playmaker. It feels like they're trying to get it to be Dalton Kincaid. And, you know, had this, uh, had them not thrown that interception, we might be having a completely different conversation today. Maybe the defense isn't put in those short field situations. And maybe that's the bright spot. Sean mentioned it a couple times in his press press conference, and I do agree with this. When you start in that spot, after you give up a field goal on the first drive, and, you know, maybe the Bills could have been better on defense, but you turn around, you go to the sideline, first play, it's a pick, and they're right back on your side of the field. That's a tough spot to be in. And outside of that interception and a couple other spots, missed field goal, the Bills offense actually did operate decent today uh, against what I still think is a middle of the road defense, but a defense also that Bill Belichick, you know, found some answers today. Um, So I I do think that this offense, they're trending better. And I think that that second half could have been four touchdown drives, if not for the Knox drop. And then we're obviously having a completely different uh, conversation. I don't like the idea of Jerry Judy. I'm with Steve Smith. There's a comment in there about it. I don't think he's very good. I think part of the problem that they're suffering through there in Denver is that their playmakers aren't very good. And I'm not sitting here giving Russell Wilson a a pass. I think he's cooked as well. But I I don't think he's getting any help from the playmakers in that offense. And I don't think you want to add anybody on that side of the ball from the Denver Broncos. Now, Patrick Sertan, if the price is right, I'll listen to that. I'll talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you can explore your options with Judy and Cortland Sutton there. I, I think more real a more realistic option, which wouldn't move the uh, wouldn't do much for Bills fans, might be uh, Torrance Marshall in uh, in Carolina. Well, listen, Joe Brady connection. Brady loved him coming out LSU. They play uh, he played or Torrance Marshall played for Brady at LSU. Drafted him to Carolina. Four three speed, bigger target. When he's been involved, he's done some things. But he's not someone that you would have confidence in coming in and, and making plays. They do have Adam Thielen, who's been a pleasant surprise. But even with this season looking lost for Carolina record-wise, do you really want to take your best receiver away from a rookie quarterback uh, that you're trying to grow and develop? I mean, he's someone that's played with Diggs, someone that obviously has a lot more juice left in the tank than I anticipated. Uh, but but it just feels like they have a lot of guys at wide receiver, and I'm not sure what adding another one into the mix is going to do uh, because I don't know what that would really do for the snap counts for the uh, the players on the field. They're already struggling to get Trent Sherfield out there. Khalil Shakir's snaps continue to rise. Uh, so are you going to cut his snaps down, Gabe Davis's snaps down? Realistically, looking at this team, I think cornerback needs to be maybe the biggest target. I know you got Dane Jackson back today. I still don't love the amount of cushion that they're giving uh, on some of these players, especially some of these Patriots playmakers that really can't burn you downfield consistently. Uh, But staying with Carolina, Dante Jackson makes a ton of sense to me. I'm going to have an article this week on some trade deadline targets, and he's going to be player number one for me. Pre-draft visitor, has played well in his own scheme, Uh, has a contract I think the Bills could figure out to get under the cap uh, this year and next, obviously. He's under contract for 2024 as well, which makes him a little bit more appealing there too. So it's a good idea in theory to add another playmaker, but how many playmakers are truly out there and available? You're seeing the um, 
Miko Hardman and the uh, Van Jeffersons. Those guys aren't playmakers. They're good players. But I, I just don't know if a team's going to be trying to part ways with a, a true playmaker that could be a, a major difference maker for this Bills team. Did you mention uh, Curtis Samuel? No, in Washington, no. I'm I like that idea. Team. We say we have a comment in YouTube here. To me, that would be like, um, you know, I don't know where the speed's at. I don't know his 40 time off the top of my head, but I think he could do a lot of different things, move him around. Um, and they have not been able to utilize Sherfield or Hardy in that role. And maybe there's still hope for that. And um, but I think like to me, that sparks my interest because he's he's good after the catch. Um, and maybe he can be what they were maybe envisioning Trent Sherfield to be. Um, but yeah, McColl Hardman, I got him pulled up here. Um, yeah, just got a, a catch for six yards. Nothing. Yeah. They had some other guys step up. Uh, Valdez Scantling had a nice touchdown play. Uh, Rice, their rookie, had a really nice day or a nice touchdown. So, I mean, Mahomes was dealing. Um, watching that game had to be frustrating if they were a Chargers fan. They got the the Chiefs in these third and long situations, played like a three <laughs> defense, and then Mahomes was just able to run for it, I think, in two or three occasions. So it definitely kind of uh, frustrating there to watch, but he found answers, and at the end of the day, that's what you need. We'll, cut, we'll bring in a couple more questions here. Got a few minutes left. Um, but I do want to mention this Taron Johnson hate that I'm seeing in the in the comments. I think people got to relax and dial it back. I know there's a lot of frustration right now. He entered this game as one of the best coverage players in the NFL. Yeah. But I think we learned something today. Coverage is only as good as the play up front. And if you are left out on an island throughout a game, and listen, they didn't affect Mac Jones. Look at this final stat line. He has not been this player since 2021. It's been two years since Mac Jones has had a game like this. Maybe he's had one here or there, but not against a defense as good as the Bills. He was he raised his level of play. The Bills didn't affect him enough. Taron Johnson, when not asked to go one-on-one in man coverage against a tight end, like he's very rarely going to, and I'm not giving him an out. He's got to be better on that play uh back in the uh uh, in the end zone here late in the game. Like, yeah. And he took, he took ownership of that, but let's not discount. I mean, I put Taron Johnson, Ryan in that bucket of players. Now, Ed Oliver, Greg mm-hmm. Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, um, Micah Hyde, you loot Bernard, you lose one of those guys and it's going to drastically change your game plan and your potential defensive performance in a game. Like lay off Taron Johnson. He had a, maybe a, a, some bad plays today, but overall he's been, really elite. I think he's been all pro caliber this season. Yeah. He's been the best player in that secondary overall. And it hasn't been close in my opinion. Uh, he, he is, you know, one of these star players where you've already lost Daquan Jones up front at, at Oliver out today. You've lost Matt Milano. I have Taron Johnson in like that Milano Daquan Jones bucket in terms of his importance to this defense and, and what he means. And, you know, I, I the criticism is fair today. It's not an ideal matchup having him on Mike Gusecki, uh, the size differential, things like that. But he, he is a very good player. Uh, someone in the comments mentioned he almost had an interception in this game. Honestly, if Jordan Phillips didn't, uh, I think he got his finger on the ball and it may, made it look like a wobbler coming in. Had it just been a normal pass, Johnson had jumped the route and probably hauls that in. And again, it, it's a matter of a, a you know a few plays and who knows what the outcome's like if they haul that in they make that play. I think they actually had the turnover on the, the next down though. But either way, uh, he's been one of the star players for this team. All right, hit me with the next question here. We got about five to go. My hands are freezing. It's sneaky cold here, actually. Like yeah. um, a little bit colder than I thought it was going to be. I was out here today in just the uh, quarter zip, and I got to tell you, 
Um, it's a bit perky. <laughs> Brad R wants to know what, what your thoughts are on the run game today. And is it time that we sound the alarm on the offense and the passing game? I think it's time to maybe diminish the role of Latavius Murray. Like I, I, I would put him in more of a third down kind of back only situation. And I think sometimes on third down, you want to lean on having James Cook's skill set on the field. And I think that they did over the course of this game, get away from this weird kind of thing that they've had. Like Sean McDermott has got this in him that he's just got to like, you know, stand over a young guy and just give him the business and let him know that like, you know, you got to bring it and all this kind of other stuff. James Cook's a better player. James Cook is a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands. We saw that today. Like he had some game changing plays. I I think it was a, a third down where he had that catch and uh, made a move and, and got up for a first down. He obviously got the ball rolling with that touchdown in the first half. I mean, he finishes this game with three targets for 46 yards, led the Bills in yards per reception, which I think a lot of that came yards after the catch. So I'm wondering, is that a way to unlock this offense a little bit is maybe start involving um, James Cook a little bit more in the passing game? Yeah, James Cook needs to get more involved just overall. I, I think the last two weeks he's shown that he can provide you with those tough runs as well. He bounced off of tacklers two games in a row now, kept his legs churning forward, um, moved the chains on the ground, made a really nice reception, made a guy miss, and then he leaned into the defender, kept his balance, and, and pushed for another first down there. He, he's playing with more physicality than we've ever seen. He's playing and showing off good vision. They talked on the on the commentary today on TV about how his mindset this year is a little bit different than his rookie year and how in the NFL four yards on a play is, is a win. Uh, you can't hit a home run every time. Like he was at Georgia or what felt like every time at Georgia. So he has definitely uh, been a bright spot. I want him on the field more, especially in those third down plays. I don't think Latavius Murray's offensive pass interference was offensive uh, pass interference, but why, why is he out there running that route? Anyways, get James cook out there. It's a more viable option anyways on that route. Uh, to kind of get the guy off target a little bit, but he's also a pretty good pass catcher. In terms of, you know, uh, hitting the panic button, I'm not hitting the the button yet, but I make, I'm making sure that I know the, the codes to hit it ahead of time because I'm right there, Matt. I need to know the code, so when it's time to, you know, get it from outside of the glass, I'm, I'm ready because four and three is unacceptable for a team with this much talent. Yeah, you were kind of sneaking this – this. Uh this take a, a couple of weeks ago that we haven't really even gotten fully into yet. You might've been uh, ahead of your time, uh, but you never delivered it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I, after the Milano injury, is, yeah, is it the I time or do you want to wait till the midweek episode? What do you think? <laughs> I will wait till the midweek episode. Ooh, spicy. Oh, Going to give everybody a little bit of a, uh, what's the word? A little bit of a tune in. Teaser, next week. Yeah. Like, yeah a little yeah. Teaser. There you go. Okay. All right. Matthias Walter with the super chat. How come Chiefs leaning into running Mahomes way more now all the time just to win games and the Bills nearly completely taking that away from Josh? I really like this question because I don't have a problem with it necessarily, but you got to flip through your options with what you are willing to do a little bit more frequently. And I mentioned at the top of the show, running a little bit more um, up-tempo at the start of games. Try that out, right? If you're not going to lean into the Josh Allen running the ball, I like the idea of putting this on ice and going almost a whole season, if you can, with that part of it out of 
your offense because teams are going to change their thinking and how they have to defend you. I, I think that you go to last season and the Bills didn't seem like they had any other places to go with their offense late in the season. And, you know, maybe this is their attempt to kind of throw people off the scent. I don't know. And I don't even know if that's necessarily the way to go, but I would understand it if that is. And I know they want to keep Josh healthy, but man, we're sitting here seven weeks in the season. And now we're talking about if a shoulder injury is really impacting him as well. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. And to Walter's credit here in the comments, his, his runs aren't by design. Uh, the runs in this game against the Chargers today, they were literally in a prevent defense. And once no one up front could get home to him, he was able to just kind of roll out and run for those easy yards. Even when teams are afraid of like the, the long plays downfield, they're generally still having like a spy or someone to follow Allen around a little bit. We saw the Patriots bring extra heat throughout today's game. Uh, we saw the Giants with like that spy type of player at times. It's just a different dynamic. He's not running as much, but there, there's still a fear uh, because, you know, opposing teams know he can run. He is very good in that regard. I'm like crouching over here because my computer is up on this little uh, um, slab. And if I have it too far out, it would fall. So I have it like tucked in and the, and the screen is kind of like popped in. Just taking you inside how we set up shout after the game. You know, uh, it is it was a packed press box up there. So I it had to happen down here on the field. But um, forgive my uh, bouncing around here. All right. Um, is that going to do it? We got one more. Let's do one more. Let's do one more for right, there uh, we go. Brent. We have one more here. You know, Brent wants to know, first of all, if Dawson Knox is a player scheme at $12 million a year. Uh, he would rather have that on an O-line. And then Daquan Jones, do you think he's going to come back at some point this season? Uh, he is longing for the days of Ilianku. Yeah, and I messed that up. And by the way, that wasn't my fault. That was the Bills website that still had him on the practice squad, which, by the way, a couple hours after that episode, he was off. He was gone. Yeah. So, well, you know, causes some change around here, I think. But anyway, um, no, I, I think that's a great point. I think having Ilianku in the mix would have – been better because I saw him several times today that Kendall Vickers just was out of his element. I mean, he's just not at the level. And you think about some of the guys that have kind of contributed in in uh, relief roles over the years, Ilianku, Brandon Bryant, those guys aren't here anymore. And they're having to kind of tap into a completely different level of player. And I, I just don't think Vickers is at the level that you need him to be at if you're going to give him a significant amount of snaps like they were forced into. I mean, it almost got even worse with Jordan Phillips going down late in that game. He was able to come back. But now you got to track that. Like you, we we know what happens usually when Jordan Phillips gets banged up. It ends up being yeah. a multiple week thing, and you know we'll have to see if this lingers beyond this point. Absolutely. And then for the Dawson Knox question, I don't think it's necessarily scheme. I mean, they're trying to get both guys involved in in the offense with twelve personnel. Uh, it's just something where uh, he he's not getting open immediately off the snap. He has those drops. Could be a confidence issue with Josh in him. Uh, you know, to his credit, he would have had a touchdown, but it was called back in this game. He did have the two-point conversion. He did make a few plays here and there, but he's not consistently involved enough based on his salary. One final thought I have. Um, listen, nobody is more simpatico with their fan base when it comes to quarterbacks than Josh Allen. I mean, the guy has the, – the relationship has been well chronicled. It's a fan base that loves its – it's quarterback and a quarterback that loves its fan base. But I thought he missed the mark a little bit this week in his comments about, you know, the fans maybe coming 
and a little bit too hard at Ken Dorsey. And listen, I understand wanting to defend your guy, right? I mean, but you don't want to take a shot at the fans. Like I've, I've seen a, a good amount of kind of snide comments today as the bills were struggling from people on social media about those comments. And I think you got to be careful. Like we talked about a crossroads at the beginning, right? The last thing Josh Allen wants to do is have, and I don't think this is going to happen, but you know, looking ahead, I mean, we talk about everything on the show. This is something that I think could become a storyline. If he's going to get a little bit uh, persnickety, if you will, in his press conferences, especially with the fans, like that's not the road that you want to take. And I think it might've just been a one-off, like a, a comment. He probably wishes he could walk back, but it's something that I'm going to follow up with, uh, with him about this week, because a lot of bills fans have called into question the um, operation of this offense over the last two weeks going into this game. And for a third week now, the same questions that they've had, the same critiques that they have, they remain coming out of this game. One love the use of persnickety. Uh, Got to get that worked in every episode going forward. Now that's that is just phenomenal. Two, you are what your record says, and right now the Bills are a four and three team. So the snide comments kind of have to go away. Uh, if you're Josh Allen or making those comments about oh, there's a lot of NFL offensive coordinators sitting out there on their couches and this, that, and the other. Right now, you, you've had a soft enough schedule, and you're sitting here one game above. Uh, or one, you know, one with a one game above 500, or you're just slightly over 500 right now. That's unacceptable with a team that had Super Bowl expectations going into this year. Uh, you know, the Jets game, you, you go up against Zach Wilson most of that matchup. No excuse for turnovers in that one. You lose a game uh, today. You lose the game to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I think, is a very good team. So that's one loss that you know I can't necessarily just pin on the Bills solely. But then you're letting teams like the Giants hang around too. Uh, there's still a lot of football left, just like Josh Allen said. But right now, there's no room for you know any players on this team to be kind of taking shots at the fan base based on what we've seen in terms of their on-field product. Uh, we came out hot today. I was cooking with gas. I didn't get to the read at the top, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with the big tops read at the at the end here. Uh, I I know the Bills weren't ready for Slider Sunday today, but Bills Mafia should always. Be ready. Every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, trips, and more. Start your Slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season. Uh, visit the Tops Deli section and look for the bright orange Kings Hawaiian displays to scan the QR for your chance to instantly win tailgating prizes. And visit topsmarkets.com slash slidersunday for all the best slider recipes. All right, Ryan, I think we've done enough damage for one Sunday. Thank you so much for hanging out with us after this game. I know it was a, a disappointing one for you Bills fans. For Ryan, I am Matt from Gillette Stadium. We got ourselves a busy week, everybody. Short week, Thursday night football game. We'll have plenty of shout to get you ready. Take care, everybody. Have a good night.